0: Okay, very good. Hey, can I tell you all my new favorite color? Does anybody want to guess what my new favorite color is? Green. Green. Green is my favorite color. Man, doesn't the countryside look good. God has been so good to us. You know, we know uh, a lot of the the things that, you know, we, we can't see, we can't touch, we can't taste. The things that God has done for us. But then when he provides for us in our greatest need, man, it feels good. It's so, uh, it just feels like such a blessing. It just feels like, anybody feel like, like this, that, that God just did that just for you? Well, I hope you do because he loves you. Do you believe that? Don't, don't look at how your week was last week. Do you believe that he really, truly loves you? because he does. He does, and that's why he provides for us like he did. Well, if you're visiting with us, welcome. So glad to have you. Uh, There is a QR code in the bottom right of the uh, announcement section of the bulletin. If you know how to operate that, then we encourage you to uh, fill out a connection card at the bottom of what pops up when you uh, scan that QR code. Just let us know you're here. I would love to to know that you're worshiping with us today. If you're online, it's on your screen. You should be able to do the same. A few announcements. Uh, first of all, praise the Lord. We are starting up our Wednesday night uh, activities. Uh, we'll have a meal in the fellowship hall, 615. We'll have children's activities, youth group and ladies Bible study, and prayer meeting will meet as usual at 630. Our ladies uh, have a Bible study that will resume this Wednesday. It's This semester's study is called The Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffels. Carrie, is there anything we need to pass along, or is that enough? Okay, so if you're interested in coming, uh, make sure you, uh, well, just come. How about that? Just come. And that starts at 6.15. And if you want to come get a meal, you just come right on ahead at 5.45. Uh, Our business meeting for September, It's it's one of the burr months. Praise the Lord. Uh, Our business meeting for September will be next Sunday night at 6.30 p.m. Uh, The meeting agenda is posted in the foyer. If you need to add any kind of item, just make sure that you uh, talk to me before Wednesday and we'll get that on the agenda. Um, Our Arctic Barnabas Blessing boxes will go out October 15th, so make sure uh, that if you're um, interested in donating to that, that you just check out in the foyer. Look at that list that's above the box in the foyer take a picture of it, whatever you need to do so that you know what it is that they request for donations. Put those back in the box, and we'll get those sent out by uh, October 15th. I think that's it. Is there a meeting today? At 5.30. Oh, and a youth committee meeting. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah,
0: youth committee meeting when? 530. At 5.30. And, um, you are participating in the Wednesday night services in the youth group, we're going to meet at 5.30 as well. Okay. <laughs> One will be really short. Okay. Very good. Any other announcements? Okay. Well, if you would, please stand. We will say our call to worship together. You know, I, I don't know if, if, um, if I've ever explained why we do a call to worship together. Um, You know, I always try to do the announcements and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of the service. Kind of get that stuff out of the way. The call to worship says, okay, that time's over. Now it's time to focus our minds on worship. And, And this actually is a call to you, to us, from the scriptures, to recall what we know about our Lord and Savior. And to worship Him because of that. Uh, So this comes from Psalm 47, verses 5 through 7. So let's all read these two slides together. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. Let's worship together. That time of the year when we focus on Texas missions, um, both in our praying and in our giving, um, I wanted to let you know something. Uh, when our church last had a business meeting in August, our church voted to uh, to give to the Reach Texas offering. Now, normally, our church has given to the Mary Hill Davis offering. Now, the reason for the switch is that Mary Hill Davis offering, although it goes to Texas Missions too, it goes through a state denominational organization with which our church does not align. There's the Texas Baptist, which also used to be known as the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Um, And then there's the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. At one time, our church was dually aligned, both with the Baptist General Convention of Texas and the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Prior to my coming, and I want to say it was in 2006, Brother Jody led the church to disfellowship from the Baptist General Convention of Texas, or Texas Baptists, which that's where our Mary Hill Davis offering was going. And so to be more in line with our commitments to the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, uh, we have um, ceased giving to Mary Hill Davis Texas missions, and now we are giving to reach Texas Texas missions and again, it goes through the Baptist general Convention, Southern Baptist Texas Convention. I know that sounds like a bunch of word salad, um, but we talked about it. It came from the committee uh, missions committee we talked about it last uh, business meeting, and the church overwhelmingly approved. Um, so what is the Reach Texas offering? I don't know if you can read all that stuff up there. But I do want to point out something that's on the far right. It says 100% of your reaching, Reach Texas giving is spent on missions and evangelism strategies. It's good that we just sang, uh, we're going to see the king. And we're glad that we get to go see the king. But there are those who don't know about the king. And so we're focusing this month on praying and giving towards the Reach Texas offering. The goal, as you can see there, is $1.3 million. And if you'll go to the next slide, you'll see that our giving goal is $4,000. We'll take money. Um, It'll start today. Uh, And then in a few weeks, I think, we'll get our prayer guide. Is that right, Brandon? Uh, When we have our week of prayer, we'll get our prayer guide. Okay. Um, You can grab a prayer guide back there. um, And please do. And spend all month praying. We actually have a week of prayer. And I think it begins either next week or on the 18th. Um, And so grab one of those and just pray. Pray the whole month long for the folks that are listed in there. Um, As we normally do, and I apologize, this does not have closed captioning in it. But we are going to uh, hear about how the Reach Texas offering is being used. And after the video is over, then we'll continue in worship.
2: I've been living here all my life, and for one thing, I've never left for a storm. I've always been here, just weather it out. Last year, we had Hurricane Zeta, which was about 130 mile an hour winds, and we stayed on the porch and watched it. We are kind of used to that. Well, on August 29th, 2021, Hurricane Ida came through our area. I did evacuate, I'm glad I did, because this Hurricane Ida was the strongest that's ever hit the Golden Meadow area. It devastated the landscape. It changed everything about what we're used to looking at. This sanctuary was built in 1964. This hurricane knocked the whole back wall in blew part of the, the, the actual roof off of it. This gymnasium, which is our church sanctuary as we speak, became our distribution center for supplies from everywhere. I was putting out a, a request, a plea for help, because there was so much devastation, so much help that we needed in our area, and our folks were just exhausted, just trying to survive. Shortly after, I got a, a phone call from Scotty Stice, and uh, he, he said that he would love to come and assist us. And uh, within just a few days, these folks began to show up with these yellow shirts, the most beautiful people, willing to help. They came and blessed us with the greatest small and the greatest compassion. Their spirit was just so sweet.
3: I'm uh, Ronnie Roark. Uh, we live in San Antonio, Texas. This is my wife, Connie Roark, and we're part of the Disaster Relief in Southern Baptist Texas Convention. My role and Connie's role is typically feeding, but in this deployment, the first time, we went down there as a logistic person, myself, and Connie went as a chaplain. We met with the pastor, we realized right away the love he had for the community, the love he had for his church, and beyond doubt, the love he had for Jesus Christ. We get there and we fall in love with these people. They're shrimpers and they're crabbers, but they're just like our farmers and ranchers they don't work off the land but they work off of the the water everything they had not only their homes but their businesses were destroyed and they just picked they're not leaving they're picking up and depending on god to help them to get started again. this church and how he had it set up uh, he would have the folks coming by getting supplies to drive through their parking lot. And how he had the folks come through the parking lot, request supplies, and then pick up supplies, it gave the chaplains and his people a chance to visit with each and every person coming through the line. And I guess Pastor Matt visited with each and every one of them. People been through a traumatic experience. And what they're looking for sometimes is just somebody with a hope. Pastor Matt and his church and hopefully our chaplains was there to provide that hope. And that's why we do it. We don't do it for ourselves. Uh, we, we try to give Jesus the glory because he has to hit us sometimes with the two before we're saying, this is what I need you to do. It's just a blessing for us
2: to be able to serve. Uh, just to know that folks will leave their, their hometown to come to an area that has nothing but devastation give their time and the resources to help is priceless to us. As of yesterday, I was getting a propane tank filled and uh, this gentleman said, I'll, ne- I'll never forget the kindness of those yellow shirts, Texas. If you're thinking about giving to the Reach Texas offering, I want to encourage you. Your generosity supported a lot of effort. A lot of folks to come and and assist us in our desperate time of need. And we'll be forever grateful to the SBTC disaster relief because what they have done for us is is priceless and it's going to be forever in our hearts and our minds.
4: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 24, if you want to follow along in your Bible. This is titled The King of Glory, a Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul toward its faults, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your hands, heads, O gates,
0: you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6 will be in the first seven verses. Um, if you know your Bible, you know that this is where uh, most people believe that uh, the ministry of deacons emerged. It's not without. Uh, it's not on accident that we're here in this particular chapter, this morning, uh, because we are going to um, kick off uh, what we would call a deacon selection process for our church. Um, at the current time, we have have five men serving as deacon. We have one inactive deacon, but we have five men currently serving as active deacons. And so the the deacons uh, have said, "Let's let's." begin that process to select deacons, and the first item there is to preach uh, on the texts that, that have to do with uh, selection of deacons and so on and so forth, or where deacons came from and, and the scripture, as, as best we can determine. Um, so we will be in, in Acts chapter 6. Uh, I hope that you got a bulletin today. There is a handout here. Um, And if you're a person who takes notes, um, I'm going to go exactly in the order that's on this handout, offices in the church, origin of the office of deacon, so on and so forth. There's space there uh, in between the different headings, uh, whereby if you are so inclined, you may take some notes there. Um, When we're done, uh, of course, you'll be able to take that home, uh, and um, I'll if, for folks that aren't here, we'll make sure and let them know that uh, to watch the service, I'll email the handout to them and make sure they know how we're going to receive nominations. So, I want ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, please. This is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and this is God's Word. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, how you have... The church is all your idea. All of it. Um, And we thank you that we don't have to fly blind. uh, That we have what you have preserved for us in your inerrant and infallible revelation Uh, and so we pray god that as we examine this text and also other things uh, in the course of this morning that you'd be honored and glorified that there be clarity and unity a sense of purpose and a sense of hope as well lord that you may be calling men uh, to be added to the deacon body here to engage them in in service um And so, Father, we pray for this morning and for the next week and for the time to come and the process. And we devote it all to you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In 1992, how many of you were not born in 1992? Okay. Thanks for not raising your hands and making me feel old. 1992 there was a movie that was released It was called A Few Good Men. Um, Have you all seen that movie? How many of you have seen that movie? Okay, that's the title of this morning's sermon, A Few Good Men. Um, Now, A Few Good Men, if you know, it's got Tom Cruise, um, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, uh, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland. And it is a a story, uh, the the plot of it is that Tom Cruise is, is is a lawyer, a naval lawyer, and and there's some Marine corporals that are on trial. And so he's going to represent these guys. Um, And if you've seen the beginning of the movie, you know that there's uh, the Marine Corps silent drill team there. Well, it's not actually the Marine Corps silent drill team. Um, The reason I bring that up is because uh, the Marine Corps, having viewed or, or knowing what the movie was about felt like that it was going to make the marine corps look bad to have a story like this. And so they didn't want that, especially you know around the time when you know you've got things going on in the Middle East. And so the Marine Corps Silent Drill Team did not they were not going to come and be the intro to that movie. And so there there had to be a few good men that could come and fill that role. Guess where they came from? There's the the national champion Texas Aggie Fish Drill Team. Now, it wasn't those guys. It wasn't the the freshmen. These were alumni of the Fish Drill Team. And so you had juniors and seniors, when I was in school there, that got to go hang out with Demi Moore and Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson and and do that scene where they performed the silent drill. And it's awesome. Every time I watch it, I just get all excited about being an Aggie. You can, you can relate, right? I guess not. <laughs> but here's the point. If you didn't hear anything else, hear this. Not just anyone could fill the role of acting as if they were the Marine Corps silent drill team. Not just anyone could do that. It had to be someone who had the requisite skills to be able to do that. And so that's why they called uh, the, the, the young men from Texas AM, the former Fish Drill Team members. This morning as we talk about deacons, we talk about a few good men, these seven men who were originally uh, chosen by the church to serve in the ministry of deacons. It's good to be reminded of the offices of the church. The office, I'm sorry, the Bible prescribes to us in the scriptures. There are two offices prescribed to the church. They are the office of pastor. Uh, You don't find pastor mentioned in the Bible by name like to the pastor of this church. Um, They talk about, the Bible talks about elders. So there's the office of pastor also from a biblical standpoint elder. And then there's the office of deacon. And each office has its own area of primary responsibilities. Now, elders, pastors, serve by leading. They are primarily responsible. Now, I'm using that word primarily on purpose. So I hope that you, that, that will, um, you should be able to understand why if you'll just listen. Uh, just pay attention. They're primarily responsible. The elders are, the pastors are, for the spiritual needs of the church. And they meet the spiritual needs of the church through these things. It's teaching and preaching. That's one. Praying, shepherding, and leading. Now, deacons lead by serving. And again, I'm going to use the word primarily here. They are primarily responsible for the temporal needs of the church. Now, these are formally recognized offices in the church. Now, I'll go back to talking about elder and remind us that You don't find the word pastor. You you do in in Ephesians. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers. And I think it's talking about the same thing. But in addition, I believe, and I think scripturally it supports, that it's talking about elder, overseer, bishop. These are all interchangeable terms. A pastor, uh, to call an elder a pastor is to say that he's a shepherd leader. That he leads by shepherding. To call a pastor an elder... is to uh, allude to his spiritual maturity, his knowledge of the Word. To call a pastor an overseer or an elder an overseer, it speaks of oversight. A person who looks after, who looks out for the spiritual condition of church members. And there is, in the Scriptures, Old Testament precedent for this office. Now the men who serve in these offices are ordained by the church... And they are bestowed, and I want you to hear this. Both offices are ordained by the church and are bestowed with scriptural and congregational authority to lead in their primary areas of responsibility. They have authority, each office has authority to lead in their primary area of responsibility. We must understand that these two offices are not like Congress. It's not like two houses such that a bill must pass both houses before it reaches the president's desk. Nowhere in Scripture do we see deacons exercising authority over elders. Rather, we see deacons serving the church in support of elder leadership. Moving next to the second heading, it's the origin of the office of deacon. And I remind you that in the Old Testament, there is no Old Testament precedent for the office of deacon. So we, we find precedent in the scriptures for the origin of the office or the ministry of deacons in Acts chapter 6. And that's where most people think uh, that is the beginning of a formal deacon ministry in the church. Now the word deacon is not used there. Not at all. However... The Greek verb, diakoneo, and that means to serve, that Greek verb is used. Now that Greek verb literally, it's a conjunction uh, and a noun. Diakonea, it means through the dust. It, It literally pictures men who are serving the church and say it like this, they're burning up the roads. They're kicking up dust. Uh, Praise the Lord, we don't have a lot of dust to kick up right now, but if you've ever driven along behind somebody on a dirt road and you got dust in your face, that's the picture of the service of these men. Now going back to Acts chapter 6, there's a problem in the church. It says in verse 1, Now in the days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now what was going on was, and the apostles at this time were involved with making sure the daily daily distribution of food to all widows was taking place. But somehow, the Greek-speaking widows were being overlooked. The Jewish widows were getting their food, but somehow the the Greeks were being overlooked. And so presented with this problem of these Greek-speaking widows being overlooked in the daily distribution of food, notice what the text says. The apostles, verse 2, summoned the full number of the disciples. In other words, they called the church together. And they said to the church, verse 2, "...it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables." Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So I hope we see that unless these deacons come along, the apostles, they're going to be divided in in their efforts. You could say it this way. Their ministry of the word and prayer would suffer from this added and increasing daily load of distributing bread. So, from this text, we can derive some foundational truths about deacon ministry. The first one is this not just anyone can be a deacon. Look again at verse 3. It says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, they have a good reputation. They are full of the Spirit and of wisdom. So deacons must be that kind of man. Not perfect. None of us are perfect. But they must have a good reputation of being before people and have the Spirit and wisdom. A second thing we derive from the text is that the deacons provide crucial support to the pastor or elder. Now, there weren't at this point... And you may not realize this, at this point there were not elders. I don't believe there were, because there were apostles. Because the church had not been scattered yet. The church was in one place. But after the apostles died out, and as they, especially Paul, he would instruct men like Timothy, like Titus, appoint elders in every town. And they were to carry on, like what we talked about with Timothy, uh, the, the, the the leading of the apostolic ministry of preaching the word and teaching the word and praying and overseeing the church. And so deacons provide crucial support to the pastor or elder, same thing, taking on responsibilities that would pull him away from prayer and the ministry of the word. Because again, the disciples say in verse 2, it's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word to serve tables. And then in verse 4 they say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That is their primary responsibility. Now, I don't believe that, that they necessarily, like let's say somebody was sick, and I am. I feel like I'm on good scriptural ground here. That Let's say that, man, there was a problem and, and the deacons had more than they could handle. That the, the, the apostles would say, no, it's totally on you. We handed it over. I, I don't think that there's... That there's this division of labor to the point where there can't be cooperation in how the labor is carried out. However, there are primary areas of responsibility. Third thing we find in the text is that deacons are primarily responsible for the temporal needs of the church, and that's verse three. Um, uh, verse three it answers the or, or tells why. Uh, Verse 2 and 3. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That's what the apostles had been doing. And so now they're going to delegate this to the deacons that the church is going to bring to them. Uh, And and again in verse 3 it says, Whom we will appoint to this duty. Fourth, the church selects the deacons. Again, verse 3. Pick out from among you seven men. Fourth, I'm sorry, fifth, uh, finally, deacon service promotes and preserves unity in the church. You notice in this text, there, there, at the beginning there is disunity because the Hellenistic widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of bread. But when you get to the end of, the, of this section, it says in verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That tells me that when when the church follows the plan uh, that God provides the growth, thirdly, third major heading, deacons in Baptist history. Now you may wonder why even talk about this? Why even talk about uh, and there's some sayings in there I want you to make sure and, and look at these. There's some sayings here or some quotes that i I've, I've put in here under uh, this heading. Deacons in Baptist history. You might wonder, why in the world do we need this? Here's why. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give historical context over time to show how Baptists have historically interpreted and applied the texts on deacons. Now, you start in 1697 with Benjamin Keach, And he wrote a book called The Glory of a a True Church And it's discipline displayed. And he writes, The work of deacons is to serve tables, namely to see to provide for the Lord's table, the minister's table, and the poor's table. So the Lord's table, talking specifically about the Lord's Supper. The minister's table, it's talking about making sure that fiscally, financially, the minister is taken care of. And the poor's table, same applies there. If there are poor people, the deacons are in charge of taking care of those people. So it demonstrates here again that deacons are primarily responsible for temporal needs. And notice what Keats says: that they have the authority to see to. Authority has been delegated to them, given to them. So they don't need to be stood over as they do this. The congregation doesn't have to vote on everything that they do, they just they know this is the task we have to get done. We're going to do it. The congregation has given us authority. We're on scriptural ground to do what we're doing. They have the authority to see to those things. Skip forward some years, um, almost 100 years, to the Charleston Association's document entitled, A Summary of Church Discipline. Again, this is 1774. Notice what it says here. Deacons should be observing what members are missing at the ordinance. In other words, the Lord's Supper... Whom they are to admonish. Now, this is what I want to focus on. What is our unity in the church based on? Is it based on whether or not we all get along perfectly all the time? It's not. It's not what it's founded on at all. Our unity is in Christ Jesus. And we display that unity in Christ when we as a church gather together and partake of the Lord's Supper. Now you might look at this and say, now wait. If they're to observe who's missing, is that a temporal need? This sounds more like oversight. Now listen. Although oversight is not the primary responsibility of the deacon, they can help provide oversight to the congregation it's not their primary responsibility that falls to the the pastor the elder but they they can do that they can see who's missing and try to find out what's wrong, why have you not come to receive the Lord's Supper together and I want you to also notice this they are exercising leadership do you see that they're exercising leadership in the church Skip forward to 1805. You've got Samuel Jones writing a treatise of church discipline in 1805. And in caring for the Lord's table, the minister's table, and the poor's table, it says that the deacons are to see that members of the church contribute to all the necessary uses according to their ability. In other words, they understand that unless the church is faithful to give, they will have nothing to pay the pastor, and they'll have nothing to take care of the poor. So, I know this, is, this may seem a little um, uh, uncomfortable for us to know that people did this. Like they would ensure that people tithe. And I'm not saying that, that, that I think that deacons ought to make sure people tithe. What I am saying is that here, in this instance, it demonstrated that they took seriously That they needed to take care of people in the church who had needs. And they were going to do that. But they couldn't do that apart from the faithful giving of church members. Next we skip forward to 1846. W.B. Johnson and the gospel developed. He says, whatever of temporal care the interests of the church require, that care falls upon the deacons as servants of the church. And the spiritual prosperity of the church is intimately connected with these temporal interests. Again, talking about temporal care, about deacons as servants of the church. But the thing that I want to make sure and focus on here again is that, and you see these bullet points on the screen, how deacons promote unity. And how Johnson notes that the spiritual prosperity, the unity of the church, depends upon the deacons faithfully carrying out the tasks that are given to them. 1874, we find William Williams writing in Apostolical Church Polity that the seven, the original seven deacons, were appointed to be the trustees and stewards of the common fund to distribute to each one according to his or her necessities. Again, you see here, fiscal, financial responsibilities, physical responsibilities. You see them having authority. They're entrusted with money in order to help people uh, with their needs. They are, are called upon to exercise leadership within the realm of authority that they've been given. And then finally, 1849, J.L. Reynolds in church polity are the kingdom of Christ. He says, the official duties of the deacons are the opposite of those which are assigned to ministers. And the very object contemplated in the institution of the order was to relieve preachers of the gospel from the management of secular interests by placing them under the direction of others. Again, it's not that a pastor, an elder, could um, help manage secular interests. But the primary responsibility falls to the deacons. Again, primary responsibilities... Cooperation and how it all gets done, but primary responsibilities. So it's so crucial for us to be reminded again, verse 7 tells us that when um, the the apostles, um, when the church set these seven men before the apostles, and the apostles prayed for them, and the apostles laid their hands upon them, that the word of God continued to increase. It had its intended effect, it unified the church. It allowed, it, you don't hear anymore about these Hellenistic widows being overlooked in the daily distribution of bread. You don't hear of apostles wishing that they had more workers to be able to take care of this so they could devote them, themselves to prayer and to the teaching of the word. Because of that, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, even to the point that a great many of Jewish priests became obedient to the faith. It was a great testimony. To a church that took seriously God's plan and to carry it out and to look after one another. And it had a great witness. It adorned the gospel message that these apostles were preaching. Moving to qualifications of deacons. Uh, we find it again in Acts 6 verse 3. It says, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And then also we find qualifications of deacons in First Timothy 3, 8-13. to uh, And I'm not going to ask us to turn there. I'm just going to quickly go over the qualifications that are listed there. It says that they are to be men of dignity, dignified. That means they're to be worthy of respect and honor, that they're noble, that they're serious. That they act in ways that are befitting the office that the church has set them apart to. They're also to not be double tongued. They're not to be prone to hypocritical or insincere speech. They should not be two faced. It also says they should not be addicted to much wine, not fond of sordid or dishonest gain. And they must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Now, I want to stop and, and point out something hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. We have only one infallible, inerrant, and all-sufficient thing to turn to, to tell us, that is God's revelation to tell us how we are to live, how the church is to be organized, and how it's to operate. And it is the Bible. So, I want to tell you this. Some of you may be, you you may think, "I, I would like to be a deacon. I would like to do that and 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 I know that there's some of the names have been tossed around among the deacons I mean great great men that would just really serve our church well but I'm going to tell you men if you don't have a rock solid commitment to the inerrancy infallibility and sufficiency of scripture do not become a deacon don't become a deacon if you have questions about those things do not become a deacon. There's something that no office holder in the church should ever say. They should never say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. They should never say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Instead, they should say, God said it, that settles it when you put i in between there i believe it then you begin to, to think that god said it but i'm not sure i believe that's what that says now there may be some things about in times um about um other things i can't think of off the top of my head that there is room for disagreement but there are some things The first 11 chapters of Genesis, if you think that's myth, men, don't become a deacon. Don't become a deacon. You have to have an absolute rock solid foundation in the word. And if you have questions about its inerrancy, its infallibility, and its sufficiency to do for the church and for the people of God what it says it can do, don't be a deacon. It says they are to take hold of the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. deacon's conscience shouldn't condemn him for the noticeable gap between behavior and belief. Deacons should be husbands of only one wife. Again, I'm back in 1 Timothy 3. should be a one-woman man. They should be good managers of their children in their own households. And then in verse 11, it talks about wives or it could be talking about deaconesses. Whoever this is talking about... These people must be dignified. They must not be malicious gossips. They must be temperate and faithful in all things. No, not just anyone can be a deacon. And finally we come to duties of deacons. I want you to notice in the bullet points on the screen, there's no job description in the Bible listed for deacons. Look however much you want. There's not one there. However, we're on safe scriptural ground to say that deacons are tasked to do the things that do not fall into the primary responsibilities of the pastor or elder. Or to say it differently, the primary spiritual responsibilities of the elder, pastor, are preaching, teaching, shepherding, leading, and praying. Everything else is the primary or temporal responsibility of the deacons. Therefore, deacons may perform such tasks as, but not limited to, and there's a bunch there. Prepare for baptisms or the Lord's Supper. Have a a widow ministry, a nursing home ministry, a benevolence or mercy ministry, a ministry to the shut-ins. They help with ushering. They do hospital visitation. They lead church ministries. And I can tell you if there's one ministry that we could get started yesterday, actually two of them, it would be men's ministry and a a regular evangelistic outreach. Deacons also can teach Sunday school and promote its growth. They can help with work projects. They can serve on committees and as trustees of the church. In fact, the five men that are currently serving as deacons, they serve as a personnel committee, they serve as the budget and finance committee, and they are trustees of the church. That is per the Constitution and bylaws. Deacons can also be a part of welcoming visitors, making sure every visitor that walks through the door gets a handshake and a uh, a warm welcome. And then also to do follow-up visits or phone calls. Now, as you look at that list of things... You may think, well, what is it the pastor is supposed to do? Well, again, there's that, pri- that area of primary responsibility. But I'm not saying that the pastor elder won't do some of the things that deacons may do. It's to say that these things are not his primary responsibilities. And the same is true in the opposite direction. Deacons are required to be able- are not required to be able to teach. Teaching is the primary responsibility of the pastor or elder. However, a deacon may preach. But teaching is not his primary responsibility. It's the difference between must and can. Between must and can, an elder must be able to teach, a deacon can teach. Elders and deacons must work together according to the pattern of Scripture so that the spiritual and physical needs of the church are met. Now, before I come to a close, I want to draw your attention to what's the very last thing. And I know this is more like teaching and or maybe even a lecture, and it's where we are. But the selection process. So I'm doing number one today, preparing the congregation for the selection process by preaching. Okay, and so you have uh, this handout that will help you understand the description of an office of deacon. Uh, just make sure that again, look at First Timothy three eight to thirteen. You're going to have until next Sunday to submit recommendations, nominations of qualified men for consideration as prospective deacons. After those have all been received, the deacons will screen the recommendations before bringing the candidates to the congregation for consideration. The deacons will meet with each individual candidate to ensure that the candidates meet the qualifications and that they're willing to serve. After the screening process is concluded deacons will inform the congregation of the candidates and they'll be presented to the church and then the congregation will be given the opportunity to communicate to the deacons the current deacons any concerns they might have about any of the deacons and then number 5 after any concerns are addressed, the deacons will inform the congregation of their intent to present candidates for approval by a congregational vote at a special business meeting during a Sunday morning worship service in the near future. And we will vote by secret ballot, and there's only a simple majority that's needed to elect a deacon. So that's the process going forward. But I want to close with this, and I'll try to be, try to be brief. I started with a movie. Illustration, and I'm going to end with a movie, Illustration. Another one of my favorite movies is the movie Contact. It's based on the the, um, Carl Sagan book uh, called Contact, where aliens make contact with the U.S. And uh, this this lady, uh, Eleanor Airway, uh, she likes to to be out around the, the arrays that are pointed out in space, and she'll listen for radio signals coming in. And so she listened, and she heard this radio signal coming in that was different than anything she'd ever heard. Well, skipping ahead way far in the movie, come to find out, aliens were trying to, they were trying to communicate with the United States, And they had beamed back to the U.S, the first broadcast clip it was Hitler opening the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, and they beamed that back to the Earth. And it was just replay over and over and over. Well, they, they, they found, as they continued to look at this broadcast, that there was within it plans for someone to go and meet these aliens. And so there's this big hubbub about, okay, should, should we follow the plan or not? Should we actually do what this says? And so it was eventually decided they were going to build the machine. Eleanor Airway, the lady that had heard the radio signals, was chosen to go in the machine. She walks in there, and there's a chair. And she said, what is this chair doing here? And they said, we did not think you would be safe. So we added this to the design. She said, it wasn't a part of the original design. So anyway, she said, they said, if you're going to go, you're going to ride in this chair. So eventually when they turn on the machine and she is quote-unquote traveling, as she is traveling, the chair starts to shake and shake and shake and shake. And finally, it breaks loose from the inside of this pod that she's in. And it simply floats. Which is to say, she was right all along. See, the plan had been revealed from outside and given to this people and they had added something to it when the plan was good all along. We have received a message from on high with a plan in it. And so now the question for us is are we willing to follow the plan? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we don't have to fly blind with respect to deacons and how they serve, how, how they're to be appointed to the duty that is theirs, their primary responsibilities. Lord, you know our needs. Lord, you know if we need more men to serve in our church. I pray for us as a congregation, first of all, that we would be people of prayer. We would be serious about the Word and what it has to say in Acts 6 and 1 Timothy 3 as we look at men that could be uh, potential deacons. Lord, guide us through your Spirit, through the Word, and we pray, Lord, that you would just meet our need. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have a time of response. Uh, If you need prayer, if if you want to join the church, anything that... um... You need to make a decision about this is the time for you to to do that if you'd like to come forward. But we're gonna sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. prayer updates um, Addie Webster was, was able to take her treatment and uh, it doesn't seem that it's been as bad as the previous one um, do you have an update on Judge do you want to pass along he's at home ok ok so he's at home doing chemo um, he uh, was, was in the hospital because of his leukemia diagnosis and they were doing some things for him there he was released and went home had a little episode, had to put him back in the hospital. So, so pray for Judge uh, Ben is should be getting to the Lano a nursing home this week. I hope you all saw what Blake posted online. I'll leave it at that. If you haven't looked at it, uh, go look at look Blake Campbell up on Facebook and uh, make sure you abide by Blake's wishes. Um, Candice. Her surgery was, was successful. They got 90 to 95% of the tumor. Uh, she's still uh, in the hospital. If you would like to, um, I'm going to go visit her sometime this week. And Judd and figured out the easiest way to get, she needs encouragement. This is really overwhelming for her. Um, she can't talk on the phone. She, uh, so there's some things. Post surgery that she 's dealing with that really prevent her from from ha- you know from talking on the phone and such, so if you want to send her an email you want to send her a text uh, if you want to write a letter or a card, give it to me and i 'll make sure and take it to candace um, i haven 't been given the go ahead about when I may come visit, but if you want to get something uh, to her please please let me please get it to me and, and i 'll take it um, can we take you off the prayer list, Eddie? <laughs> so we had you on there for your back. Are you okay? So praise the Lord for that. Um, Kirby Marek is supposed to have surgery not this coming week, but next week. Okay, for an ACL reconstruction. Um, Mike, we're glad you're here. You want to? Is there any anything you want to share with us? Okay, Mike. Uh, every month, he, he uh, they let blood, they do bloodletting on him. Uh, Porter Burke. Um, actually, let me jump back to Johnny Burke. Johnny got a, a very good report. Uh, he's been battling cancer for a while. Do they believe that he's he he's? Maybe. They think cancer he's free. in remission, cancer free. Okay, praise the Lord. Porter is going to be going to MD Anderson, um, not this week, but next, I believe. That's right. Um, and he's fighting uh, stage four cancer. I haven't heard any update on Richard Reese. That's um, Vernon and Judy's grandson-in-law. Was bit by a rattlesnake, had to have surgery, and they did a bunch of incisions up to his shoulder. But pray for pray for him. Travis Shaw is on our prayer list too. That's uh, Glennis's brother. He had a stroke, uh, so pray for Travis. Any other updates on our prayer list? Okay. Um, please pray for those, but I'm going to use our prayer time to close us um, differently. I'm going to ask Mary Catherine to come down. Um, this time next Sunday, Mary Catherine's going to be on her way to Kenya. John and Eddie are welcome to come down too. Any of you that would like, come and surround Mary Catherine as so we pray for her and send her off to Kenya. She'll be gone from September 11th to November 16th. So uh... pray for John and Eddie. <laughs> They'll be bumping into walls and stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for Mary Catherine, for John, for Eddie. We thank you, Lord, for the mission of the Hope Factory, for the ministry that it serves. Pray that you give Mary Catherine traveling mercies. She'd get there with no problems. Pray that, um, Lord, she go before her and you know all the things that she has on her list, things that um, she wants to check on, things that need to be done pray, God, that um, in going before her and uh, preparing the way for her, that she might find once again an opportunity to give a testimony to your grace and mercy, to your provision. We pray, God, that uh, she'd have gr- um, every opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ. We pray that um, she has every opportunity to minister the, to people in Jesus' name. Lord, um, we just pray uh, that while she's there, that she can make the most of every opportunity of all the things she needs to get done, that they would get done, and we could uh, just rejoice with her in, uh, in your goodness in uh, providing for the Hope Factory once again. We praise you. We love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. You are dismissed. Have a great Amen. day.